Hey, I'm Rod. This is the Irrelevant Information Podcast, a podcast about unimportant subjects. And today we're going to talk about the Honda Civic. The Honda Civic is one of the greatest cars in the world, period. It's also one of the most important cars to me personally because it was my first car. I'm kind of into cars. I like thinking about cars. I like looking at cars. I like listening to cars. I like talking about cars, which is exactly why I'm recording this podcast. So I wanted to take some time to talk about the Honda Civic and more so what it means in the auto industry and how I see the auto industry right now. Uh, but before we get there, let's just start at the very beginning and give you a little bit of history about Honda because I think it's pretty cool. So Honda was founded in 1946. And like all great car companies, or at least most of the great European car companies, it was founded by a guy who was really into cars. His name was Soichiro Honda. He was born in November of 1906. His father was a blacksmith who worked in bicycle repair, and his mother was a weaver, whatever that is. Soichiro sucked at school, and he loved cars from the very beginning. Uh, he would tell stories of how when he was a kid, he could never forget the smell of oil of the first car that drove through his town, so that marked him from an early age. He dropped out of school, and he moved to Tokyo when he was 15 years old to work in a garage, and he was there for six years before returning home to start his own auto shop. He raced a Ford in the first Japan automobile race in 1936. He crashed and messed up his left eye, and he never raced again. But clearly, this is a dude who really liked cars. After that, he started manufacturing piston rings and later motorcycles. So Honda is not originally a car manufacturer. In 1937, with financial help from an acquaintance, he started manufacturing piston rings, which are the rings that fit into a groove on the outside of a piston, and they're there to seal the combustion chamber to allow for minimal loss of gases, improve heat transfer, maintain proper oil between the piston and the cylinder wall. So it's a little part of the engine which is very important and can have a big impact in terms of performance of the car. His first big contract was with Toyota, but he lost the contract because his product wasn't so good. So Honda, motivated by his failure, attended engineering school. He didn't graduate, he attended, and he traveled around Japan studying Toyota's quality controlled process. He learned it, and within four years, in 1941, he had developed a process that could produce acceptable piston rings and did so with unskilled laborers, which is pretty impressive. Um, unfortunately, the war changed everything. Toyota took a 40% stake in the piston ring company and he assisted the war effort by applying his automating process to aircraft propeller manufacturing. His plant was destroyed in 1944 by US bombings and the second plant he owned was destroyed in 1945 due to an earthquake. So after that he sold whatever he could and founded Honda with that. That's when Honda started manufacturing motorcycles. So the first motorcycle was a Type A. It was developed by using 50cc two-stroke radio generator engines left over from the war, and then when those ran out, they started manufacturing their own clones of that engine. The Type A was actually nicknamed Bada Bada for the sound it would make whenever it would run. The first company motorcycle that was actually developed completely by Honda was the D-Type. It was released in 1949, and it was a huge success. It was three horsepower, 98cc two-stroke engine with 3.5 pound-feet of torque. In less than 20 years, Honda was the largest motorcycle manufacturer in the world. In 1968, Honda actually sold their millionth motorcycle in the U.S., and they started selling motorcycles barely in 1959. 
So not even 10 years, and they had already sold a million motorcycles in the U.S. So they were pretty successful at bikes. However, they started making cars in 1963. Honda's first four-wheeled models were a little sports car called the S500 and a mini truck called the T360. Each of them were powered by a dual overhead cam, four carburetor, four-cylinder engine. The T360 kind of looks like a Studio Ghibli cartoon. It's a little mini truck. It's actually part of the K market, which is like the tiny, tiny, smaller than a subcompact. And the S500, it's a, it's just like a cool little mini Corvette from that era. Um, so they're both just kind of mini toy looking cars. And both of them have chain-driven rear wheels, just like a motorcycle. But the S500 was only 1,500 pounds, and it could hit 80 miles per hour with 44 horsepower, which is really impressive for the time. The first U.S. car, that, or the first car that Honda brought to the U.S. was the Honda 600 in 1969. Uh, so that car had an alloy engine. It could hit 9,000 RPM. It had somewhere between 36 and 45 horsepower and was able to hit 81 miles per hour. And it actually weighed less than the first car they ever made. It weighed about 1,100 pounds. And that car existed from 1969 to 1972 because in 1972, they stopped manufacturing it and instead made the Honda Civic, which is the big guy that we're gonna talk about. But Honda isn't just a car manufacturer, or rather Honda isn't just like a commercial car manufacturer. They were the first Japanese team in Formula One. They joined in 1964 and were and they existed as an independent constructor until 1968. But their history is a lot more than that. They actually provided engines to the all-time great McLaren Formula One team in the 80s and 90s, which featured the two best drivers of the sport, arguably Alan Prost and Ayrton Senna. And they're not just cars either. Honda, like I said, has been the world's largest motorcycle manufacturer. Honda makes gardening equipment. Honda makes boats and boats engines. And Honda makes aircraft. They have passenger aircraft, private jets, and it's really unique because their jet actually has the engine placement on top of the wing as opposed to hanging off the bottom. And not only that, but Honda is also uh, the creators of Asimo, like the first big famous robot. Um, if you just Google Asimo, A-S-I-M-O, and you see him, you'll know who he is. So Honda's been involved with robotics and AI for a long, long time. But back to the Civic. So the Civic was first developed in 1972 and actually happened at a time when Honda almost pulled out of the car business, but the Civic's release and the fuel crisis resulted in Honda having a hit on its hands. The first Honda Civic had a 1,169cc four-cylinder water-cooled engine and featured front-powered disc brakes, reclining vinyl bucket seats. It had like fake wood trim on the dashboard as well as an optional air conditioner and AM FM radio. The Civic was available as a coupe, three and five door hatchback, five door station wagon. And because of the 1973 oil crisis, consumer demand for fuel efficient vehicles was super high. And due to the Civic's engine being able to run on either leaded or unleaded fuel, it provided drivers fuel flexibility, which other vehicles like the Chevy Vega or the Ford Pinto didn't have. Thus, the Civic outsold it. The biggest innovation in the Civic was the CVCC engine, or Compound Vortex Controlled Combustion Engine. This is designed that allowed for more efficient combustion, and as a benefit, the CVCC system did not require a catalytic converter or unleaded fuel to meet the 1975 Environmental Protection Agency Emission Standard, uh, which means that the Civic was ahead of its time, and it was 
super cost effective to produce as well as to own and people didn't have to change their habits that much so from the first generation of the civic we had the honda accord which was a splinter of it and that's another great characteristic of the civic as as it went on in its history and not only was a great car but the platform for it produced other great cars the second gen of the Civic happened from 1979 to 1983, and Honda pretty much just improved on the CVCC engine, added a third valve to per cylinder, and it continued in its success. The third gen of Honda Civics is when things really kicked into high gear. It occurred from 1983 to 1987. It was made a little bit longer, and it had a new 12-valve uh, engine, which produced 76 horsepower. It was 1,500cc. It was an inline four. It was still lightweight, still super efficient, and it could achieve about 50 miles to the gallon or 60 miles to the gallon of the highway. And in 1983, it won Car of the Year Japan, which is actually the name of the award in 1983. Uh, this generation also introduced a K-Back model, which is known as a CRX. Uh, the Honda CRX was like a really cool little bread van-like Civic, which means it had two doors and a really long back. It was sportier, it had a meaner stance, it was just a cooler car. Uh, the lower body panel of it had a different color than the top, so it was like a two-tone color. The wheels were different, they were meaner. This is another one of those splinters, like the Accord, that came from the Civic, which resulted in just a really cool car, but ultimately it was a Civic. The reason why I say that this is when it kicked into high gear was also because this is when the Integra was born. It was first called the Honda Quinn Integra, and later became the just the Honda Integra in America was known as the Acura Integra and it featured a 1.6 liter dual overhead cam 16 valve four cylinder engine and the Integra grew to become like a legendary car. 1984 this generation also introduced the first ever SI badge on the Honda Civic. Uh, the SI is like the sporty version of the Civic. The main aesthetic difference for the SI in this generation was a bulge in the hood which accommodated the taller DOHC engine or dual overhead cam. That engine was designated as the ZC1 in Japan, and the new engine output was 118 horsepower, which enabled the Civic to hit 122 miles per hour and go from 0 to 60 in less than 9 seconds. Compact cars at the time, as a frame of reference, usually generated less than 100 horsepower. So that's pretty impressive. Uh, the fourth generation of the Civic happened from 1987 to 1991. This is the Civic that I actually owned. I owned a 1988 Civic, uh, and it was significantly redesigned for this year. The suspension had a radical reconfiguration. It had double wishbone suspension in the front and an independent suspension in the rear, which is something that, for example, the Mustang didn't have up until like the 2000s. The wheelbase was increased to 98.4 inches, and the body was redesigned with a lower hood line and more glass, giving less drag. Uh, so this generation of Civic was still boxy, but it was pretty cool. And from personal experience, I could tell you that it was super comfortable. I'm a bigger guy, and I was able to fit in a Civic with no problems. Had plenty of, uh, of headroom, plenty of legroom, plenty of arm room. It was great. All of, this gen all of these generations of Civics were fuel-injected, and the fourth generation hatchback was super popular in autocross competitions. It actually competed against like the Mazda Miata and the fourth generation Civic became very famous among enthusiasts because of the lightweight design and that suspension, which was super innovative and super unique for its time, was actually very good in terms of handling and was a great little race car. 
Right after that came the fifth generation. Uh, this is when the Civic started growing a lot more than it had in previous generations. However, it did have a more aerodynamic body. This generation of Civic had lightweight materials though, and it still was a very fuel efficient car. The cowl was raised, which allowed for more suspension travel. Uh, so because of that, the ride became softer than that of the previous generation, which I can tell wasn't really that soft. But in order to do that, you can't have just more comfort without giving up anything. So it had a little bit less crisp handling, it had a little bit less. Um, it was still super peppy though. It had a 1.6 liter uh, VTEC engine, single overhead cam. It made 123 horsepower and was one of the best performing inline fours in that cost range. Um, also during this generation, the CRX, which was that previous mini bread van that I talked about two generations ago, changed and it actually became in America the Civic del Sol, which is a targa top, which means it's a semi-convertible, the roof was removable, you could stow it in the trunk, it was also super compact, it was sporty. At its introduction, it won the car of the year Japan for the second time. So this generation was very popular with tuners, it was super easy to customize, it was light, it was cheap. Also, in this generation is when the third generation Integra happened, which is arguably one of the coolest coupes of all time. It had those four headlights at the front that were bug eyes. This was JDM at its peak, at least in like my high school, middle school car subculture. For the sixth and seventh generations, which occurred in 1992 and 2005, the sixth generation was a, the last one that was a subcompact, technically. The seventh generation became a compact car. Also during this time, Honda became the second largest Japanese automobile manufacturer. This happened in 2001. And as the seventh generation of Honda Civic shift to a compact car, Honda introduced the Honda Fit, or as it's known in Japan, the Honda Jazz, to fill that subcompact role. And this is kind of where things start falling apart, but not quite. So the Jazz or the Fit is a five-door hatch. It's really a great car. When it was introduced, it won Car of the Year in 2001. A really weird thing about it is that the fuel tank is under the front seat and the rear suspension is super compact. So the rear seats fold really low. That creates a flexible, regularized cargo volume, which is super big for it being such a small car. But anyway, in the next generation of Civics, the eighth generation, which happened from 2006 to 2011, I would say this is the last great Honda Civic. It's the one that introduced that two-tier dashboard that has, you know, the speedometer a little bit ahead in the dash. It still has impeccable fuel economy. And for example, from 2005 to 2011, 1.5 million of these Civics were sold. So it was still very popular. So from 1972 to about 2011, I would say the Civic was exceptional. It was a great car. However, in the ninth generation is when things really changed for Honda. The ninth generation of Honda Civic was sold between 2012 and 2015. And the biggest thing about this generation was that it was not sold in Japan. The reason for that was because it was too wide to be sold to Japan. Japanese government dimension regulations like forbid it from being sold there. It, not only that, but it received really bad reviews. It featured cheap materials. It had worse in driving dynamics. And worst of all, it looked exactly the same as the eighth generation Honda Civic. The coolest thing about Civics, at least from like an observer standpoint, is that you could tell them apart from one generation to the next. It was very clear. There was very little things like, oh, like the hood is taller on this one. The, the windows are, it's not as boxy. The taillights are different. 
The ninth generation, when it was first released, looked exactly the same as the eighth. Now, Honda blamed the recession, saying that drivers would uh, be okay with giving up quality and materials and design features and things like that for a low price, but no other car company did that. So in 2013, they tried to fix it by changing the taillights, they refreshed the front face, they redesigned the hood, and they re-released it, but the damage since then has been done. And honestly, since 2013, at least in my opinion, I don't think the Honda Civic is at all what it used to be. It's not the go-to recommendation for a first car that's fun, economic, charming, and just a delight to own. And I have a couple of theories as to why that happened to the Civic. The first and the biggest is that Honda is now actually an American car company. What I mean by that is that in 2013, it became the first Japanese auto manufacturer to be a net exporter from the United States. That means most of its cars are made here, not in Japan, which is a big thing when it comes to the DNA of a company, to the DNA of everything from how it's built to the regulations that it must have hold, to the cost, to the materials, to just the workers and all of that, believe it or not, affects the car. And not only that, but because it's an American car company, uh, the it's kind of a slave to the American car market, which is huge. It's the biggest. It's the one that where you make the most money, which it makes business sense, but it affects the cars. And the reason for that is that the American car market, even though it's huge, it actually kind of sucks compared to other car markets. So for example, in the first half of 2018, 8.5 million cars have been sold. And the best-selling car in 2018, and actually for the last 35 years, is the Ford F-150 truck, which is a car that's as far away uh, ideologically from the Honda Civic as possible. It's big. It's meant to take up as much room as possible, to have as much of, of a loud statement as possible, whereas the Honda Civic was this understated, sensible, but fun car. Not only that, but the American car market's most popular cars, aside from trucks, are crossovers and SUVs. Small sedans have fallen by the wayside. And actually, the Honda Civic right now isn't a Civic at all. It's not small and practical. It doesn't have surprising performance. And most importantly, it's not cheap. The base model of a 2018 Honda Civic is $18,940, so roughly $19,000. You can get a Ford Fiesta S for $13,600. It has 120 horsepower with good handling, it has nice wheels, it's a five-door hatch, it has really cool colors, it's sporty. You can get a Hyundai Accent for $14,745, and that is much more sensible. It has five. It has four doors, a trunk, it's 36 miles to the gallon and it has that huge warranty. You get a Nissan Versa S for 14,000, or you can go as cheap as 12,000 for a brand new Nissan. You could even get a Fiat 500 for $15,900. You could get an Italian car for less than what you can get a base model Civic. So the Honda Civic is not an entry-level car. It's not the cheapest car. Um, and I think that's because of its prolonged success over so many years and just building on top of it and building on top of its success and just kind of iterating instead of innovating that the Civic really forgot or lost its essence. And I think that's happened to Honda as a whole. And I think that's happened to the car industry as a whole, because for many years, the Civic illustrated or was one example of how the car industry could produce something that was fun, that was meaningful and that was just an excellent product. 
but ever since the recession and ever since the rise of auto sharing services and the rise of the interest in self-driving cars and the rise of city populations cars have changed for the worst um, nowadays more people see cars as a means to get from point a to point b and cars are socially irresponsible because of you know carbon footprints and the knowledge that we have about how they affect the climate but more so i still think that cars are important and cars provide joy and cars provide a feeling that nothing else in the world can i genuinely believe there's something magical about driving a good car I genuinely believe that the combination of engineering with creativity and all of that that manifests itself in a car is something that should be valued. And I fully believe that the Civic is the essence of that, or at least it was for many years. And that's because it combined great engineering with fun and innovation to create what was truly an exceptional car. And anyone who has owned a Honda Civic between the first and eighth generation will tell you that they love that car. And I don't think that happens so much right now. I don't think there's many people that truly love their car if they've bought a car within the last eight years. The majority of cars are boring. The majority of cars look the same. The majority of cars are just the means to get from point A to point B. The Civic, which was once this bastion of showing how good the car industry could be, it's still a bastion, but it shows what the car industry is now. Bloated cars with car companies that are trying to figure out how to get people to buy cars again and ultimately creating boring products that all blend into one another, that are expensive, that are more substitutes for a comfortable chair to just sit in traffic while you wait for the light to turn green and you can try and get home. And that's frankly very sad. But I don't think it's all sad. I think with the rise in ride sharing and the rise in self-driving technologies and the combination of the two, ultimately less people will own cars. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think it's a good thing. The reason for that is because as more people who don't care about cars don't own cars, the people that do care about cars like myself and thousands of other people, that's who Honda and other car companies will cater to to create cars that just produce joy. Think about when horses were used at the, as the main means of transport or cargo back in the early 20th century. Back then, there was so many horses in the street. The streets were a mess, and horses were in a bad shape. They were abused. They were overworked. They wouldn't live long. They were not pretty, beautiful animals like they are right now. But once the car came about, the horses were no longer used. That's what's going to happen to the internal combustion engine car that goes through the streets right now. When these self-driving, ride-shared, that nobody owns, leased cars are all over the streets, the cars that are left with internal combustion engines will turn into those beautiful racehorses that we see now. They will exist merely for leisure, and they will exist merely to provide joy. And they won't be driven in the same roads as these self-driving cars. We'll have our own roads. Everyone will be in race cars on the weekends and just have fun. And maybe then I'll own another Civic again. And maybe then it'll be fun. Or maybe it won't. But that's the story of the Honda Civic. And that's the story of the automotive industry right now. And the last part was just 
a hopeful conspiracy theory that I have about what will happen to the Honda Civic in the future. Thanks for listening.